Well, we read today of Peter doing something rather foolish. Hopping out of a boat, walking across water. Mind you, it's, it's the sort of foolishness for which we've always got a certain admiration. When uh, people inspired by their faith go out and give it a go, um, there's always something pleasing about that, and it's often the way with, with young people, you know? They want, to, they want to really live by faith and go and do it and all of that. Nonetheless, it is, um, if that's characteristic of a young person, or perhaps like Peter, not so young, but a, a young believer full of enthusiasm, it is nonetheless, we're told by the scriptures today, not necessarily such a great thing. Jesus, you know, permits Peter to do it. Lord, if it's you, call me, come to you on the... Come, says Jesus. And I wonder if he's not here as so often with the disciples teaching him something. As Peter discovers, in a sense, his own weakness. And instead of dashing across the water, he ends up rather pathetically saying, Lord, save me. It's not enthusiasm, and it's not our strength, and it's not our conviction we can do great things, you know, that will carry us through. That's where we are in the, in the Scriptures today, the question of, you know, where, where is God in this? So we had Elijah there in the first reading, you know, the great reading on the mountain. He's called up to the mountain to encounter God. You heard it, the, the mountain is shaken by a great wind and earthquake and fire and all, all of this dramatic stuff. But God is not in the great wind. God is not in the fire. God is not in the earthquake. God comes in the gentle breeze. The old translation, the still small voice, the whisper of a breeze. Elijah meets God in that calm. These things, you know, talk to us, I guess, about you know, the winds of life, the great turbulent moments, some of them are hard on us, you know. Sometimes the uh, the stuff is the excitement, the, um, the the drama is 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 bad news. It's uh, it's suffering, but sometimes the drama, the excitement, seems like good news. It's we're all fired up and ready to go. It may or may not be where we'll really find God. But, you know, with a bit of luck, like Peter, when we do silly things, inspired by faith and admirable in their way, and we come a cropper. With a bit of luck, like Peter, we learn from it. And they got back into the boat, and the wind dropped. There was the calm again, the still, small voice. Look, uh, 
these things we, we take on board. We know that our moments of um, uh, enthusiasm, of seeking out the dramatic, the, the striking, the, the really exciting bits of, of our religious faith can either lead us on or they might just drop us into the water. It was this that St. Ignatius of Loyola found in his own life. You know, the, the whole thing of his way of discerning the spirits, of knowing when he was on the right path that God wanted him on and when he was just doing his own thing. You know, Ignatius had that thing. The discernment of spirits boils down in a way to, all right, after the excitement's over, am I left feeling at peace or feeling drained, emptied, tired. Uh, the Spirit of God leads us to the things of, of peace. And we learn, we, we learn as Peter was learning, you know, that even when you're out there in the storm, you're on the water, whether it's a good storm or a bad storm, whether you're doing great things or you're really being battered around, you know, we have to look beyond that or underneath it, if you like, to the gentle breeze, the quiet, still whisper of God in our hearts that says, I am with you. And maybe we have to sometimes clamber back into the boat and let the wind drop and God be with us in the gentle breeze. We had St. Paul to the Romans in the middle reading this morning. It didn't connect particularly well with anything else, but I do hope you noticed it. It's quite a shocking thing that Paul says there, really astonishing for Paul. You heard him? I'm telling you the truth, he says. This is no lie. I mean it. And then he says that staggering thing. I would gladly be cut off from Christ. Can you imagine Paul? For what reason could Paul possibly gladly be cut off from Christ? He'd given his whole life. If I could help my brothers and sisters of Israel. He is so sad that this people, God's chosen people, haven't, you know, heard his gospel and responded. Well, some have, but not the whole lot, you know. But it's an, you know, he is so conscious of the privilege of Israel, and he rattled them off there. You know, they were the chosen ones. They got the law. They got the covenant. They got the prophets. Jesus Christ was born of them. I just, you know, draw your attention to it and how seriously Paul longed that the people of Israel, God's chosen people, would be, you know, in the realm of God's grace. And I think his attitude should shape ours because we know down the years... Christians have often despised the people of Israel. Paul longed for them. 
to receive the promises God had made to them. And we too, I think, need to regard the people of the Jewish faith with that same sort of uh, sense of their specialness that Paul had as the original people of God, the ones to whom the promises were made and so on. So I, I, I just pointed out to you, we Christians have often you know, done the dirty on Israel. Paul, that archetypal Christian, so loved them that he made that extraordinary statement. He would give up his own salvation for them. Gosh. So a couple of things there out of the scriptures this morning. But most of all, the overall message, whether we're in the storm or we're in the boat or we're feeling like we're having a terribly hard time or we're feeling like we could take on the world today, the thing that really matters is listening to that spirit of God that is in us, that small whisper, still calm voice, the gentle breeze, that ultimately is the way God speaks to us, and leads us and abides with us.